Will the light shine again? Or is this the end? Let's pray. God, I pray that your message comes through despite me, a broken vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. For those who can, do me a favor. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Who can do that? I appreciate that. Thank you. Family, last night, we shared our Lord's meal and washed each other's feet, entering the somber last moments leading into Friday. Now, John recounts this period between the meal we experienced last night, the feet washing, and the arrest, packing as much meat and depth as possible into the space. From after the meal, after we finished, all the way to the wee hours of Friday, the beginning of Friday. John chapter 13 through 18 feels grounded when we read these words of Jesus. Another great section of scripture, much like Matthew 5 through 7 or Matthew 24 and 25, when Jesus just talks, feels grounded, yet somehow anxious. And when I first realized that this was a cohesive, connected segment from John 13 to John 18, it changed how I read it. Because often I would hear the words from John 13 through 18 separately. You see, Jesus couldn't see past the grave. And if you couldn't see past the grave and thought this might be the very last time you are with your loved ones, what would you say? What would you say if this was it? You didn't know that you would be able to have more words. This is it. Likely, you would say, here's what's most important. Here's what's most important. Now, right across the street, La Sierra University, uh, at the beginning of every school year, parents, excited and anxious, will drop off their students. They'll drive them to the campus. They'll help them unpack their dorm rooms. They'll get it set up just so. And then there is a goodbye. It's a parallel. And what to say? Make sure you don't forget. Do this. Call me as soon as you get back. Now, granted, there's hope that we'll see each other again, but these goodbyes come, don't they? And here, in this moment, John chapter 13 through 18, 
Jesus does not know if he will see them again. What would you say? The most important things. For example, John 13, 34 through 35. I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. This is the command. Do this. This is so important. Do not miss this piece. They won't know that you're my disciples, right? By the bumper stickers. They won't know that you're my disciples by the cool t-shirt or the cross necklace. They'll know that you're my disciples by this, that you love each other. So, so important. Or this, John chapter 14, verses one through seven. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. You know the way to the place I'm going. Well, Thomas asked, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've really known me, you will also know the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, how do these statements feel to you? How do they feel as you hear them? So familiar, maybe over the years, having heard these phrases and sermons preached on them. How does it feel? The way it hit me as I was reflecting, it sounds like one-liner after one-liner of deep spiritual truth. In fact, these statements that I've just read to you, I feel like I've heard complete sermons on each phrase, yeah? This is the most important stuff, and Jesus is saying it from John chapter 13 to John 18. Or this, still in John 14, verses 23 and 24, Jesus answered, whoever loves me will keep my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever doesn't love me doesn't keep my words. The word that you hear isn't mine. It is the word of the Father who sent me. And this is an echo. When Jesus preaches in Matthew chapter 7, he tells a story of a wise man and a foolish man. They both build houses. The rain comes, the, the rain comes, the wind blows. It beats against the house, yet with different outcomes. And the difference, of course, is not that they hear the words of Jesus, but the wise puts the words of Jesus into practice, and the foolish does not. Whoever doesn't love me 
doesn't keep my words. Or consider this in John 14, 25 through 29. I've spoken these things to you while I am with you. The companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I told you. And I've told you a lot. Peace I leave with you. You're going to to need it. My peace I give you. I give to you not as the world gives. Don't be troubled or afraid. You've heard me tell you, I'm going away and returning to you. If you loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than me. I've told you before it happens so that when it happens, you will believe. Now, when I reflect on these words, it feels like I'm drinking out of a spiritual fire hose. I feel like, Jesus, please slow down because each of these phrases merits study. It merits contemplation. I feel like it's too much too quickly. But when I realize that this is your last opportunity, I get it. Have you noticed that? If it's ever your last opportunity, you tend to really pack it in, really say a lot, because it's your last chance. In verse 31, Jesus says, get up, we're leaving this place. John 14, yet part of the cohesive whole, Jesus continues to talk. And in John 15, one of my favorite sections of scripture, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. I could live in John chapter 15 for the rest of my life. What Jesus says here has been such a profoundly deep spiritual truth for my life, remaining in Jesus and he remaining in me. He goes on. I mean, it's just so much and it's so good. And I get it because this is the end. This is my commandment, verse 12. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. Love each other just as I have loved you. Didn't you just say that? Have you ever, in a moment where it's the end, repeated yourself? I love you so much. And I know I just said that. And I'm going to say it again because I want you to hear it again. I love you so much. It feels exactly like that through this section. Jesus says, he speaks to me through the ages. I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. Hmm. Then Jesus prays for his followers, but not just the ones there. 
for us through the ages. Jesus thinks of us in this moment. John 17, 20 and 21. I'm not praying only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their word. I pray they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they also will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. (laughs) Did you know Jesus was thinking of you that night? He was thinking of us. And this is where our passage picks up, John 18. This is it. Now Jesus has talked with his disciples at length, saying this is the most important stuff because what happens next is terrible. Our theme for four days with Jesus is light and darkness. Throughout these four days, we see the interplay and struggle between light and darkness. And this is an echo of what we've read in John chapter one. You remember when John begins with the incredible words that invite us into the cosmos that God is creating. And in John chapter one, verses nine through 11, John, John says, the true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world did not recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. So what is the light? Or rather, who is the light? John is clear. Jesus is the light. Yet he was not welcomed. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, Jesus spoke to the people again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is this light. And in our passage, not only is he not welcomed, you recall, they came with lamps, lanterns, torches, and weapons. They came in the night, and they used light to find him, to track him down, for the purpose of doing violence to him. In this passage, the purpose of light is twisted Throughout scripture, light is referenced. Your word is a light to my, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The purpose of light in scripture is twofold, to reveal and to guide. That's the purpose of light in scripture and in our passage, light is perverted. It's used for evil ends. And this now is the misuse of light. Revelation and guidance that are twisted and perverted toward evil ends. That's what happens in this space. 
light for the purpose of extinguishing the light. Have you seen or experienced the misuse of light? Have you misused light yourself? Violence and or atrocities done in the name of all that is good and holy. Violence and or atrocities done in the name of God. The misuse of light. We see it all around us, don't we? Hmm. Here's a quote by someone in this world said not long ago in a place. And this is where the words from the scriptures comes to my mind. There is no greater love than if someone gives his soul for his friends. Quoted on March 18, 2022 in Moscow by Vladimir Putin. Light for the purpose of extinguishing atrocities done in the name of God. Now this is how Friday begins in the wee hours with the misuse of light. That's how it starts. And as the day progresses, things do not improve. The day wears on and the light grows. But things devolve. Because the violence done to Jesus, the murder of Jesus happens in broad daylight. Jesus happened in broad daylight. Friends, I'll be honest. I struggle with Good Friday. I think I'm meant to struggle with Good Friday. But I also think Good Friday is misnamed. We say that, don't we? It's Good Friday then Holy Saturday or Silent Saturday, and then Easter Sunday. But Good Friday should not be called Good Friday. It's like getting a book that tells you the ending. It skipped to the end. It said, this is the book where they live happily ever after. Oh, okay, yeah. This is, this is the good happily ever after book, right? But there's all this conflict that, that it talks about, right? Oh, but I can see in the title that it's okay. The name Good Friday skips to the end. The only reason we can call it good is because we know the end. But it betrays the experience of what this Friday was. 
This Friday was terrible. He used to be a youth pastor, and one of the young people asked me, or told me, right? Insight, just a brilliant young man. And he said, why is it called Good Friday and not the worst Friday ever? I said, you're right. This is the no good, worst ever, horrible, terrible Friday. And this is the Friday when we see blatantly the misuse of light. (laughs) The light that's meant, right, to bring us into light is twisted and perverted to the point and we call light darkness. How could we have gotten it so wrong? Forgive us. Forgive us for when we've misused light to abuse others. Forgive us for when we've turned a blind eye or a deaf ear to the cries and suffering of others. We need you, God. We need you.